Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Good afternoon, evening, or morning. This is your old Uncle Mosh with Raiders Fan Radio, and you are in for a treat. Sit back and get ready to listen to one of the most insanely knowledgeable people you will ever meet talk about our beloved Raiders. Another episode coming your way of Silver and Black Flashback by Rich Schmelter, the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. As always, thank you so much, Uncle Mosh, for your kind words, and I hope to continue earning that praise you give me. And to my man Murph, thank you so much for the great opportunity you give me to be a part of Raiders Fan Radio, as well as being part of a network that helps out so many through the One Nation Foundation that benefits Raiders-related charities. And to all my silver and black brothers and sisters listening around the world, I am so proud to bring you stories of the people and moments that help make our Raiders history so glorious. All right, Raider Nation, let's get going on our time together. And this is going to be a holiday-themed base episode. Yes, my Raider Nation faithful, it is that time of year when turkeys everywhere start sweating their asses off because they might, and usually are, about to be the main course for millions of people on Thanksgiving Day. Now, it seems that football and Thanksgiving are as common a bond on the holiday like turkey, cranberries, stuffing, gravy, and pumpkin pie. Damn, I really got carried away there on the food. But it is good stuff. Am I right, folks? So now the tradition of professional football and Thanksgiving Day go back a long way to 1917 with a matchup between the Detroit Heralds and the Canton Bulldogs three years before the birth of the National Football League. The Heralds played again in 1920, Then the short-lived Detroit Tigers football team played the Chicago Staleys in 1921. The Detroit Panthers played in 1925 and 1926. And the Detroit Wolverines played in 1928. So after a six-year break, the Detroit Lions, a new NFL franchise that had just moved from Portsmouth, Ohio, made their Thanksgiving Day debut against the Chicago Bears. Detroit Lions owner George A. Richards felt that a football game on Thanksgiving Day could generate some money during the Great Depression. The plan worked, and Detroit wound up selling out the game. Obviously, the concept was an excellent one, and the Lions played on Thanksgiving Day every single year, with the exception coming during World War II in the early to mid-1940s, when most of the league suffered from manpower shortages due to players serving in the military. Another team that came into playing on Thanksgiving Day was the Dallas Cowboys, 
whose tradition of playing on the holiday started in 1966 as a way to promote the team. Dallas Cowboys general manager Tex Schramm looked for a national publicity boost for his Cowboys and saw Thanksgiving Day as a way to boost the national attention from football fans in and out of Dallas. The Cowboys at the time were struggling, but just like Detroit 30 years earlier, the plan was a huge success as the Cowboys broke their franchise attendance record thanks to 80,259 fans turning out at the Cotton Bowl. All right, so enough about the pre-1970 AFL-NFL merger history. Now, Detroit and Dallas might have had a good thing going, but the American Football League also got into the Thanksgiving Day festivities right from their beginnings in 1960 and played on the holiday throughout the league's 10-year existence. Our beloved Raiders might never have had a long-standing tradition on Thanksgiving Day like Detroit or Dallas, but on November 23, 1967, they had one of their greatest regular season moments of the 1960s when they dominated their hated rivals, the Kansas City Chiefs, on only the second time playing on Thanksgiving Day. Their first time playing in the holiday game came a year earlier against the two-time defending AFL champion Buffalo Bills, and that experience ended with the Raiders getting blasted 31-10. to In the 1967 Thanksgiving Day game, the Raiders once again were set to face the defending AFL champions. In 1966, the Kansas City Chiefs claimed their second league championship and played the Green Bay Packers in the first ever Super Bowl. Despite getting beaten by the Packers by a convincing 35-10 margin, the Chiefs were still one of the elite organizations that the AFL had, and in 1967, their popularity was so great that the seating capacity at Municipal Stadium was increased from 40000 to 47000 and voters in Kansas City approved a $43 million bond issue that allowed for construction of a new stadium set to be completed by 1972. The Chiefs started off their defense of the AFL championship with two straight victories until our Raiders beat them by two points in Week 3. Injuries hit the team hard during the regular season, but like the true champions that they were, they rallied from that first loss with a convincing 41-0 win over Miami before dropping two straight. Three consecutive victories followed until the San Diego Chargers beat them on November 19th to put the Chiefs at six wins and four losses as they got ready to face the league powerhouse Raiders four days later. As mentioned earlier, the Chiefs were struggling with injuries. Linebacker E.J. Holub was set for surgery to repair a torn muscle in his right leg. Wide receiver Chris Burford was slowed by a shoulder injury. And the other receiver, Otis Taylor, was nursing tender ribs. The Chiefs were also limited in the defensive backfield with Willie Mitchell among the injured. That left the secondary with only reserve cornerback Fletcher Smith and backup safety Emmett Thomas to move into Mitchell's cornerback position. On a positive note, the Chiefs still had Fred the Hammer Williamson in the defensive backfield. Yes, the Fred the Hammer Williamson, the ex-Raider great who is now doing the same great work for the Chiefs. The Raiders came into this game ready to stomp out any hopes that Kansas City had of rallying to repeat as division champions. They had an 8-1 record and were riding a five-game winning streak. The Raiders' offense was led by Daryl the Mad Bomber LaMonica. Any hopes that the Chiefs had of winning this game had to come from pressure applied by a defensive line nicknamed the Jolly Red Giants, led by massive lineman Buck Buchanan and Ernie Big Cat Lad. Even though star halfback Clem Daniels was lost for the season with a broken ankle, the Raiders still had a bruising running back in Hubert Dixon as the alpha dog of the running attack. 
In the previous trip to Kansas City's Municipal Stadium, Dixon ran for three touchdowns and boasted after the game that Municipal Stadium was his park. Taking over Daniels' position would be second-year running back Pete Banaszak. The Raiders also had a very solid receiving group consisting of Fred Bolitnikoff, Bill Miller, and Billy Cannon. Even though the Oakland offense was powerful, the real heart of this 1967 Raider team was the defense of 11 angry men with a defensive line that tormented and pounded quarterbacks and ball carriers. Along with blitzing linebackers, this unit already recorded 54 quarterback sacks coming into this game, which the team believed at the time to be a then Raider record. A cloudy day with a temperature at 47 degrees and a mild 9-mile-per-hour wind greeted the Kansas City area on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, November 23, 1967, with 44,020 fans in attendance and millions more watching on television. David Grayson received the opening kickoff for Oakland on the two and returned at 20 yards. LaMonica started the Raiders' first drive off with a bang, or should I say, a bomb. The long pass went in the direction of Fred Bolitnikoff, and at first it looked like ex-Raider defensive back Fred the Hammer Williamson was going to intercept it. Williamson had possession of the ball, but Bolitnikoff also had a hand on the ball. He jerked it loose from the hammer's grasp to complete the 49-yard pass and catch and give the Raiders the ball on the Kansas City 29. Three plays later, LaMonica connected with Dixon for a pickup of 15 yards to the 8, and Banasak ran for five more yards to the KC3, but it was there that the Raiders stalled. George Blanda came on to kick a 10-yard field goal to give the Raiders a 3-0 lead with 11 minutes and 54 seconds still left in the first quarter. The Chiefs' first offensive series of the game was short-lived. Warren Powers was filling in at strong safety for Roger Bird, who was limited due to a sore back, and Powers made an impact right away. On the Chiefs' first play from scrimmage, quarterback Len Dawson threw a long pass, which Powers intercepted at the Oakland 45. Pete Banasak quickly established himself as a key figure in the Oakland offense on this drive. He started the drive off by catching a 19-yard pass from LaMonica, and on the following play, he ran off the left side for a gain of 26 to the Kansas City 10. On third and five from the five, Bolitnikoff ran a cross pattern in the end zone and caught a LaMonica pass that was first tipped in the air by Fred Williamson. Bolitnikoff saw the ball go straight up, and he took a few steps and caught it to complete the five-yard touchdown. This was LaMonica's 22nd touchdown pass of the year and allowed him to extend his streak of throwing at least one touchdown pass in a game to 10 straight. Blanda's conversion made the score 10 to nothing, with still nine minutes left in the opening quarter. Four minutes later, the Chiefs got on the scoreboard for the first time with a booming 48-yard field goal by Jan Stenerud to cut the Oakland advantage to 10 to three. The Chiefs looked like they were going to gain some momentum when Emmett Smith intercepted a long LaMonica pass on the Raiders' following offensive series. With the ball on the KC 13, quarterback Len Dawson dropped back to pass looking for Frank Pitts. The pass did find its way into a player's hands, but it was Willie Browns that it landed in. The star all-pro Oakland defensive back intercepted the ball on the KC 25 and within seconds, he was in the end zone to up the Oakland lead to 16-3 with 2.35 still left in the first quarter. Blanda's extra point then made the score 17-3. On the next offensive series for the Chiefs, 
Dawson managed to redeem himself for his pick six by connecting with Frank Pitts on a 59-yard touchdown pass with 27 seconds remaining in this wild opening quarter. Stenerud added the conversion kick, and the game progressed into the second quarter with the Raiders leading 17-10. The second quarter saw the scoring toned down a bit compared to the 27 points produced during the first 15 minutes. In fact, it was toned down a lot, with only six points scored in the second quarter. But it was by our beloved Raiders, thanks to the right foot of Mr. George Blanda. With just over seven minutes left in the quarter, Blanda kicked an 18-yard field goal, and then almost four minutes after that, he added a 43-yard field goal to give the Raiders a 23-10 halftime lead. The Chiefs started off the second half with a solid drive that went from the Kansas City 34 to the Oakland 26. Hopes for finishing this drive off successfully ended there. When Willie Brown recorded his second interception of the day off Dawson, this one coming on the Oakland two-yard line, and it was from there that the Raiders opened up their first offensive series of the second half. Brown's interception proved to go for nothing, as the Raiders' drive following it consisted of only two plays. After Banasak was stopped for no gain on first down, Dixon was called for holding in the end zone on a pass play, which was an automatic safety. And so, with eight minutes and eight seconds left in the third quarter, the Chiefs added two points to their total and trailed the Raiders 23-12. The teams exchanged punts on their next possessions, and then Stenerud's 48-yard field goal attempt fell short of its mark. The Raiders then went on a six-play, 80-yard drive to score with 20 seconds left in the third quarter. The big play of this short drive came when Belitnikov faked out Fred Williamson and caught a pass for a gain of 56 yards down to the KC7. Three plays later, on third and goal from the one, Banaszak plowed off right tackle for the touchdown, and following Blanda's extra point, the Raiders went into this game's final 15 minutes up by a convincing 30-12 margin. The Chiefs opened the fourth quarter scoring with a 50-yard field goal from Stenerud with 12 minutes and 11 seconds left in the game to make it 30-15. Following the ensuing kickoff, the Raiders went from their own 20 to the KC 34 in just eight plays. Then a holding penalty took them back to the Oakland 49 and the drive ended two plays later when Ernie Big Cat Lad sacked LaMonica for a loss of 10 yards while he was trying to find an open receiver. Warren Powers quickly put an end to any slim hopes the Chiefs might have had about staging a comeback. He achieved this by intercepting a Dawson pass on the Chiefs' first play of the drive and returned it 33 yards for a touchdown with 6.57 left in the game. Blandis' conversion kick then made it 37-15, to and in all reality, ended the game right there. But our beloved Raiders were not finished scoring on their next offensive series following a poor punt by Gerald Wilson that only covered 20 yards. The Raiders once again lit up the scoreboard. George Blanda was now in at quarterback, and from the KC-20, he connected with Warren Wells on a pass that covered 16 yards and put the ball on the Kansas City four. On the next play, Larry Todd ran off the right side for a four-yard touchdown. Blanda added his fifth extra point of the game to make the score 44-15 with 5 minutes and 18 seconds left. Overall, with his extra points and three field goals, Blanda alone accounted for 14 points. With Jackie Lee taking over at quarterback for the Chiefs, the hometown team managed to finish the game on a positive note when Lee connected with Otis Taylor on a 13-yard touchdown pass. Stenerud added the extra point with 2 minutes and 33 seconds left to end the scoring at 44-22.
The Raiders' dominance over their top rivals of this time saw big performances from many players. Daryl Amonica completed 20 of 35 pass attempts for 281 yards. Fred Belentnikoff hauled in six passes for 158 yards and a touchdown. And Pete Banasak filled in perfectly for the injured Clem Daniels by rushing for a game-high 81 yards and one touchdown. And he also caught four passes for 27 additional yards. As a unit, the Oakland offense rolled up 459 yards of total offense. The offensive line, led by Harry Shue, Bob Sevis, Gene Upshaw, Wayne Hawkins, and tight end Billy Cannon blew open gaping holes for the running attack and protected LaMonica very well against the Jolly Red Giants' defensive front four. The 11 angry men that made up the dominant Oakland defensive unit totally ruled the Chiefs on this day. They allowed only 13 first downs, 56 yards rushing, and virtually shut down Kansas City star quarterback. Len Dawson had one of his worst games completing just 11 of 32 pass attempts for 130 yards, and he suffered four interceptions, with two of those picks going for touchdowns. Within a little over a month after this game, our Raiders were crowned AFL champions and began an 18-year reign as one of the most dominant teams in professional football. As for the Chiefs, they rallied to win their final three games after this loss to finish the 1967 season at 9-5 and and a distant second-place finish behind our 13-1 Raiders. Well, that wraps up our time together on Silver and Black Flashback. And before closing out this show, I'm going to dish out some major respect to every one of the listeners who tune into this show. I love you all, and I hope that every one of you celebrating this holiday has a wonderful Thanksgiving day, and please be safe if traveling. And with that, I will close out our time together like I always do with the words I embrace every day. So until the next time we get back together once again, here it comes and say it with me, everyone. Love you, Raider Nation. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.